this was way bigger than what I had ever experienced, you know. People would perceive me as someone who's happy, who's joking. But actually, in parallel, I was absolutely shattered. I got up, I was like, I need to make a change. Let's go. Okay. So, Serge, welcome to the Everything You Are podcast. How are you feeling? I'm very good, very good, very honored cool. to be here. Yeah, me too. I'm very excited to start this conversation and just a bit of intro to Serge before we start. Serge? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, let's say Serge. <laughs> okay, so Serge is a musical artist. So you released four singles, one album and one upcoming album. In Correct. Where, when about? In, let's say March, hopefully. March, okay. Yeah. Excited to hear it. Uh, you also performed at the Baalbek Festival in 2021 and represented Lebanon in the uh, Francophone Games in the singing category in 2023. True. Uh, you also founded your own company, which uh, supports students in their transition from school to university to choose the right degree and university for them and also succeed in their application process um, in a way that is also uh, right for their needs and for what they want. And you have a full-time job in the sales team at Amazon Web Services in Madrid. Correct. Right. You did You did your homework. The- <laughs> right. I like that. What's my favorite color? Uh, blue. I don't even know what. <laughs> Thanks for that, Camille. Thank (laughs) you. So it's interesting because you created a very multifaceted career. And um, I'm also really curious to learn how you got here. Also, it's interesting because we have um, a lot of common points in our uh, background. So we both went to the same school in Beirut. We went to the same university in London. So the London School of Economics. And we started our first job in consulting and then at some point uh, resigned and then decided to do something completely different. So I'm really interested to learn how was your experience in consulting, how you decided to change, how you found uh, what you want to do. So this is the theme of the conversation. And mm-hmm. I'm sure also a lot of people will relate to this because uh, all the time when I have conversations with young adults, a lot of them have experienced or are currently experiencing frustration or dissatisfaction in their careers. So. They, I'm sure they will relate and benefit a lot from this conversation. Um, so let me know like, what are maybe the main themes for you in this journey from consulting to where you are now. Okay, okay. Um, I agree that, that people uh, can relate to career questions, uh, career changes, fears, um, with regards to, to those decisions. So I'm very happy to be here, actually. Uh, I showed you my excitement because uh, that's something that's very important to me because I, I suffered from this, actually, because I remember during my first job, which was in consulting, like you, uh, I remember feeling odd, a bit different, thinking that everybody wanted this job around me. Everybody thought that consulting was the goal. Everybody thought that having a big salary and a good career path uh, ahead of you is the absolute goal when you graduate. And I was like 21, you know, and at the time I, I, I had trouble looking at the overall picture. So I was still thinking that it's a race against the clock and I have to make it by society standards and by society standards, I have to be in investment banking or consulting as I come out of a business school. So of course there's pressure, of course there's influence from what's around you. It doesn't mean that it's bad. Influence is always around us, sometimes good, sometimes bad, most often neutral. But uh, in the end, it was my choice to, to do consulting. And it was indeed uh, a difficult time. So it's something that I enjoyed in terms of work. So in terms of what I was doing, I'm someone who likes to think strategically, who likes to put my thoughts on paper and translate this into a nice graph, you know, something visual to be able to convey my idea. That's in terms of work. However, something that I did not know about myself back in the day was how much I value work-life balance, how much I value my life, uh, whether it is in terms of art, sports, social events, 
And the lifestyle that came with this career wasn't really for me. You know, I had to travel every week, uh, stay up till very late. So I feel like my health took a small toll. Um, wasn't It wasn't the best for my personal development, but it was great for my professional development. And at some point, I felt like I was becoming very anxious, like I was becoming very uh, down, low. So my appreciation of life and what was around me was not the same. It was always stress. It was always around this job, around, okay, I have to perform, I have to perform so I can grow and I can continue going in that that direction, which is, okay, I'm going to grow, go do an MBA and be sponsored for my MBA so that they can pay it for me. And then I'll come back a couple of years and then I'll go to private equity or whatever. And this was this was the goal of so many people. And I thought it was mine. And then I was starting to feel, but wait, this is not me. This is just me doing what the average smart person in society would want to do, you know? But it's not me. So I asked myself a lot of questions, lots of anxiety, lots of, you know, uh, difficult times. And I think that even clinically speaking, back at the day, I started being depressed, depressed uh, and anxious and also OCD. So, so I was obsessed. And when, you know, often people think that OCD is, is like, oh, when you want everything to be tidy. No, OCD is when you actually obsess over specific thoughts or any or you know you have patterns in your head so let's say for example that um today i'm thinking of a problem i'm like ah uh, i didn't deliver well on this project okay it's done someone with ocd will spend two days just thinking about that you know and it's actually taxing on you it's very it's very difficult and those three i think they feed on each other and they grow so, so I had these mental health issues and at the same time I felt that I wasn't really at my place and that I had to make a change because I was, I, I couldn't breathe anymore technically. I was like, this is too much, you know? And I was desperately looking for an exit. Now my issue back in the day, and that's why I'm very happy to talk about it. My issue back in the day was also perception, how people would perceive me, you know, the, the way I grew up. When I was at school, I was one of the f top one, two, three people in the whole class, you know, so uh, uh, always the great results, great expectations for Serge uh, at LSE. I was also among the, the top ones, always working hard, uh, working very long hours, not, not because I'm smarter than anyone. It's I worked very hard for this. And there's some sort of bias. It's like, okay, I did all of this. It means that I have to continue in that way because, okay, I worked hard. This is what I am. This is how people see me. I am the guy who's good professionally and who's going to do a good corporate career. And I was like, wait, my whole identity will crumble if I quit now. What will people say? Who am I then if I'm not Serge, the guy who's smart and who has who does good in his job and is ahead of his time? So this was the real, the real question, the real um, issue. But then it was way too much. So I was so torn. I was so pressured by the need to quit my job that in spite of that, I decided to leave. However, one thing that I did to make my, myself feel safer was to apply for a master's in computer science. So it was a program to learn computer science. But I'm going to be honest, I, I had never, like I never had any interest in computer science. But it, but it was a prestigious master's at Imperial College in London. Uh, after this, I would be considered a computer engineer after just one year. So, so I applied, I got in. And then when I quit, I was like, yeah, but no, I did one year in consulting. Now I really want to learn compute, computing science. And I was starting to lie to myself saying like, ah, oh, no, um, yeah, that's because I want to learn tech and tech is getting more and more important. Even when I talk about it with my parents, you know, yeah, it's tech. So I was, I was convincing myself and convincing people around me. But deep down, I knew it was just an escape, but a very expensive one because it's a tuition to thank God that consulting is good money, you know. Um, so I applied to this master's and that's how actually I quit after one year in consulting. And what I realized is that 
we overanalyze and we give way too much importance to how people react because people don't care. You know, that's, and that's what taught me in life that at the end of the day, if what you do doesn't affect someone directly, they won't budge. They don't care. They won't do anything. So I had a few nice, well done for having the courage to do it. That was really nice as supporting words. Some people were like, what are you doing? Consulting, you have to do two or three years. You haven't seen anything from it. Voila, uh, that's so wrong what you're doing. And that's fine. You'll always have people... Uh, you know, when when it's a choice that's a bit controversial or a big one, you'll always have people questioning it. You cannot have everybody always on your side. So, so that's fine. And I didn't really care, you know, because I was so relieved of leaving. I was like, damn, like, that was it. I thought that it was, ah, Serge, quit consulting. It's going to be on the news. <laughs> nah, I left. Okay, man, live your life, you know. And no one cared about me. And this was some sort of liberation for the rest of my life, realizing that, ah, this whole societal pressure that I put on myself, actually, it doesn't exist. I'll just do my life. And that's why today I'm, I live my life in a way that's more suited to what I want, not really caring so much about what society expects from me. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Th thank you for this. I feel like also this is something that, like, I think everyone also has that... Uh, You think a lot about what other people are going to think because we are always us. So we are always um, thinking and we know everything that we're doing. So we think other people are also seeing it. And then we realize that actually like it's not that uh, important. And I can also relate a lot to the fact that how you said that you were in the path that was like perfect. You did everything right. And everyone around you is like, oh, okay, nice. That's good. Congratulations. But then there is a contrast between how you feel and how other people perceive the way you should feel. So you can feel a bit also like, what's wrong? Why am I not uh, being happy or why am I not feeling fulfilled? Um, did you feel this? So did you feel this since the day you started or did it arrive at some point? And was it the first time that you have, like you said, like issues with your mental health or did you also mm -hmm. have that? Mm -hmm. Um, that's something that evolved with time mm -hmm. as I realized everything I was compromising in my life, mm -hmm. you know, uh, because I started, there was the excitement of, okay, here I am, etc. Then you start to settle into a routine. Once you settle into a routine and you don't like your routine, that's when you start feeling trapped. You start feeling that, uh oh, it wasn't temporary. It's a life choice that I just made. That's how I was perceiving it because There was no end to what I was doing. It was an open career. When I say open, I mean open in time. So I start in consulting. If I don't quit, I can die in consulting when I'm 80 years old, you know? Yeah. So there was no end. So there was no light at the end of the tunnel, kind of, when I was feeling down. Usually, you always like to think, yeah, but it's almost done. This project's going to finish. No, that's not true. There's another project, and then you're going to get promoted, and you're going to have more responsibilities and not, you know, like not live the life you want to live. So I think that that's what made me feel like I was in a prison because it's it's not finishing anytime soon. This is my everyday routine. And as I was realizing this, I was starting to feel worse and overthinking and what should I do? What should I do? I cannot exit. And that's often uh, a bias and something that's, that's that actually a lot of people think when they're in a career they don't like. They think they, they think they're trapped. But in fact, they're not. You can always leave. And a lot of people will tell you, no, you know, on the CV, it doesn't look good. No, this is not the, the 20th century anymore. You know, people like good companies, modern companies, companies for whom people would want to work. Uh, they value this. They value when someone realizes that this is not for them and they move on and they try something new. They value time off. Uh, to discover a certain interest. They value these things. And even if they don't, they don't realize it's a recruiter who's going to reach out to you. You really think that a random HR in a big company is going to be like, uh-oh, he did 11 months, only not 12. I'm not going to say that, okay, I'm going to give him an interview. They just want to get their job done and recruit the person as well. If they think that you're a good profile, they're going to go after you anyways. But we love to think that, no, 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 no. I am bound. I have to follow exactly this path. No, no, no. I, I was actually not trapped and that's the most like uh, important thing that I learned and that's the most important lesson I give to my colleagues or to my peers whenever I work with them 
So I tell them, and that's actually something that, that comes from Amazon, they have this expression that's two-way door decision. Uh, and all decisions have to be two-way door, which means that if I decide to join consulting, I can also at any time decide that I don't, I want to exit consulting, you know? So, and that's very important for every life decision, whether professional or not, to realize always that there's, okay, there's a way back, try to, try to come back. And when you can't, when you don't have this, that's when you overthink it. But if it's a two-way door, just go for it. You'll just head the, the other way around. You have all the time in the world, we're young especially when you're in your 20s, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting how the moment we get to make our own choices, we feel more trapped than before because we're like, okay, no one is going to force me to leave. No one is going to force me to stay. So I have to do this, but actually, no, like you have the you, you freedom do this to, to yourself. To yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But we are not used to um, taking decisions based on what we want. Like we always look for someone who's going to, to tell us, yes, this is a good thing to do, mm -hmm. or this is a good thing to do. Um, and also, it's interesting you mentioned, so how now uh, the way we perceive our career is very different than our parents, for example. So also, I feel like this is, can be challenging to want your parents to give you advice, but actually they're not from the same generation, so they don't have the same standards of what is a good thing to do or not. So this can also be like difficult to do something that you know Maybe your parents are not going to approve of or they're not going to. It's not their first choice of what you should do. So do you feel like when you when you said you had a lot of societal pressure, was it also maybe more from people close to you or people that care about you? Yeah, yeah, it was it was both. Actually, mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, it was both. But uh, obviously, there's the people close to me because it's out of love, right? Like mm -hmm. parents will never do something just to be annoying, even yeah. though parents can be the most annoying thing in the world. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but no, they do it out of love and we have to realize this. And that's just what they know. We can't blame them because their set of knowledge is mostly based on everything they've lived in the 20th century. So everything they've seen, how things work, uh, what are the careers that are the, the good ones to follow? You have to be an engineer or to be a consultant. They don't know anything about the modern world, you know? That's the thing. And uh, it's nice to listen to them. It's good to take this advice and to incorporate it. But sometimes you're just not gonna follow it because deep down, you know yourself the best, you know, out of, out of everyone. So sometimes you have to just challenge them and be like, no, this is what I'm gonna do, sorry. Was it the first time that you had mental health issues at that time? Because I feel like it can be scary if it's the first time that you feel something like this. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm an anxious person in general. Mm -hmm. Like I've I've grown up being someone anxious. Uh, even for a random math test, I'd be a bit anxious and want to to work a bit extra to make sure I have a, a good grade. So, so I so yeah. But this was this was way bigger than what I had ever experienced. You know, I was really feeling disconnected from the world. Like I was completely alone, and no one else was feeling what I felt. No one else knew what was happening in my head. You, you know, I was feeling like, ah, I'm this little lonely boy that no one, nobody understands. Uh, I'm just different to everybody else. And everybody is living in La La Land. And I am with facing my reality. I'm not happy. I don't like what's happening. So you're in your head and you have your these dialogues uh, that are dark and always, always downgrading. Mm. So whatever you have, you will always see the glass half empty. And even more than that, you'll empty it to see it more empty. And and that's that was really tough. That was really tough. Um, but you learn a lot about yourself when you go through these things because they uncover all of your vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. And the only way for you to live a happy life and a life where you're in control is to know yourself the best way possible. Obviously, we'll never know ourselves perfectly, plus we evolve dynamically. But I think that this experience really taught me what is it that I fear? What is it that I don't like? What is it, what is it that I'm escaping from? And what is it that I want? Um, to be happy and to be good with myself. So so it taught me a lot. It was a long way. It was a long way. I was, I was feeling really, really low. Um, like I remember, when I say low, I mean, very, very, very low. People would perceive me as someone who's happy, 
who's joking. I love making jokes on social media. I love being myself and and showing this power because uh, that's just my personality. I, I don't mind, right? Um, on paper, I had a very good life. You know, I was blessed enough to have a comfortable financial situation. Uh, socially speaking, I had good, nice friends. Uh, even with women, I had success. Uh, I was also doing some music. At the same time, I had started doing some music back in the days. It was picking up. You know, I was doing sports. Like this is the you know, if you have a CV of of a life, it was a really good one, right? Yeah. So, so people would never imagine that I had problems, but actually, in parallel, I was absolutely shattered, horrible. And I remember one day I was living in uh, in London, in Chelsea, in the the Chelsea neighborhood, and I was living next to a bridge called the Battersea Bridge, and I went for a walk one day, really low. I needed to breathe, you know? So I went for a walk along the bridge. And at some point I see like a little set of stairs that go towards the the river. And I go and I sit there, there's the river right in front of me and I can see the bridge. And I started thinking about my life so deeply that day, that moment, it was, it was like 9.30 PM or something. And I was like, you know what? It makes no sense. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffer my whole life if I continue thinking that way. Um, I'm not doing well, I'm not happy, I don't like myself and there's nowhere where I, I need to go. There's so much suffering in my everyday life that maybe it's smarter for me to end it instead of try to continue fighting to make it better. Maybe ending is just easier and that's it. You know, why continue doing this to yourself? And I was looking at the bridge and I was like, hey, you know what? That could be an idea. If I jump from the bridge, that's, that's quite quick, you know? And, and I was like, damn, okay, this is getting intense, but this is real. Uh, and I was really self-aware. I was like, maybe I, I, I need to do something. I even Googled Samaritans on, on my phone. I was like, maybe I should talk to someone. I was talking to some psychologists here and there, but never in a very serious way or in a way where I found someone that connected. So I was like, maybe I'm gonna call the Samaritans. Then I opened this, my phone on Google, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. It's as if, I woke up from 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 this dream. I was like, wait, 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 wait. What what is happening? You know, uh, no, no, no. Like, get up. I got. Up. I was like, I need to make a change. Yeah. I've been trying to to lead things my own way. It's not working. Try something else. The day after, I started messaging around, asking for different psychologist numbers to find someone that is good, um, and decided to make really healthy changes in my life to positively try to get better. I spoke to that psychologist and I decided that for once, I'm gonna leave my happiness in your hands for a while because I tried to manage everything myself, but I'm not in a state to do that because I'm not good. You know better, you see people who are not doing well. You tell me what to do. And I challenged myself to, to, to do what she told me to do. And I started doing so. And she told me to go see a psychiatrist at the same time to support with some uh, medicine as well. I did so and uh, give it a few months, started getting better and better and better and better and better. And since I'd say 2019, summer 2019 till today, I'm a happy person. I'm a happy person and I'm like, okay, I was under the water, now I'm breathing uh, and I realized everything that happened. And I'm, I'm glad it happened in some way because I learned a lot and it built empathy in me, which is that I like, people more and I understand people more because I'm like, people couldn't perceive everything I was going through. So it's going to be the other way around as well. So uh, so yeah, that's the story of uh, my mental health. Thank you very much for sharing this. And at the time, did you know what you were feeling or why you were feeling it? Or was it just like, I feel bad, but I don't know why, but I just feel bad? Um. I was feeling really bad, but at the same time, it was kind of easy to track wh where it was coming from. Yeah. And I think that it came from the lack of control. When I say lack of control, it's that I had everything under control my whole life. At school, you know that you're gonna go to the following year and then the following year, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know what career goals you're going towards. Yeah. Um, at that time, I was like, okay, what do I do after? After the masters, do I... Uh, do I sing full time? Do I do I make a startup? 
Do I go back into consulting? Do I do nothing and I become a failure? Do I continue suffering and just this is my life, just being an employee, uh, working a nine to nine, even a nine to five, you know, doing something I don't like and that's it, this is life. Mm. I thought life was way cooler than that. Mm. So a lot of realizations of my my expectations of, of what would come from the future. And I didn't have control because I didn't know where I was going. And at that time, I didn't embrace the uncertainty. It's difficult to embrace it. It's a beautiful thing to to not know and to not have you know, this whole thing set out. But at the moment when you're in that position, it's horrible. Mm. You know, you need someone to tell you, hey, 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 yeah. you're in a good position. Today you can do whatever you want after, yeah. you know? Yeah. And at the time, I think this is what exacerbated everything. Mm. Okay, so it's a mix of like disillusionment, like expecting something, getting something else, lack of not knowing what you want and also pressure, like I have to exactly. do something good or be successful, etc. Okay, okay, so... You felt this way. This the story that you told us with the bridge, and the next day the psychologist was this when you were doing your masters. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then so seeing the psychologist helped you to make the decision of the gap year. Okay, exactly. Now, seeing the psychologist was actually helping me think clearer because okay. when seeing the psychologist, I started understanding myself and thinking normally, not just thinking as if panic mode all the time. I was just okay. This is how things are. What do I want? What do I want is to take the time to know what I want. Yeah, okay. So I need some more time. Hey, how about a gap here? You know what? I was thinking the other day about killing myself with all of this. Then what's a gap here compared to a whole lifetime? And 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 maybe one day when I'll be 85 years old, what like will this gap here matter in the story of my will I say like, ah, if I didn't do that gap here, I would have gone faster and would have been so much richer and happier in my definitely not. You know, yeah. and 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 this is actually something when I realized this, it dictated a lot of the decisions in my life, which are when you're 80, 85 and you're on your deathbed and you think about this, are you happy you did it or will you regret something? I would never regret a gap year. There's on, only if you have the money to sustain yourself during that gap year. It's great because because you'd explore so much, you know. So you started seeing a psychologic. You psychologist you took a gap year can you tell me about that like what did you do during your gap year how did you evolve how did you get out of this bad state that mm -hmm. you were in mm -hmm. i think i think that the gap year before it started it was getting warmed up it was being prepared step by step uh, when i actually left my job in consulting so it was mm -hmm. summer of 2018 my gap year started summer of 2019 after the masters so summer of 2018 when i quit my job i had started making realizations uh, one very important one is that i have to do things that i enjoy mm -hmm. i need to live for myself not for other people yeah. and and this is crucial and i was like hey If today there was no constraint in terms of money, in terms of careers, or in terms of people's expectations of you, what would, would what would you do? How would you spend your day? The first thing that came to me was like, ah, I'd learn music instruments and how to sing. That was the first thing that came. Why? Because I always wrote poetry when I was younger. I love writing in French. Uh, I wrote songs kind of when I was younger, but I couldn't sing. Uh, I didn't have the, like I, I could play some saxophone from before, but it was just because I always had music in me, but guitar, piano, and singing were something that I needed. I really wanted it. And I was like, wait, the answer came really fast. That's, you know, that's that's something that I would want to do. So the first thing I did after I quit, the following week, I started my lessons of guitar, piano, and singing. And I did this in parallel to starting the masters. And in spite of this, I was still having this trouble, like uh, mental health troubles, right? It's not out of nowhere, ah, I found music and everything is good and the story yeah. is great. Not at all. I started music, I experimented, I learned a little bit, still was going through all of this stuff. But then my gap year started. I had kind of upped my level in music in that time in parallel to my master's. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a lot of music. And I'm going to use my discipline and my my love for hard work and channel everything towards music. So I would wake up, I would stay at home. I had a small studio and I would make every day a schedule from nine till six, everything I'm going to do to get better at music. And I set myself a goal, which is to release an album at the end of that year. Mm. 
So from nine to six, I had, you know, kind of this board when I wrote nine, nine to 10, music theory, I had the courses online, for example. 10 to 11, practice song on guitar. 11 to 12, uh, singing exercise. 12 to three, write a song today. You know, it was this kind of, of thing where I was my own university. I was just in control of something nice, you know, of something enjoyable. And uh, obviously this plus the psychologist at the same time and the psychiatrist too, it's literally everything. So having those three things, psychologist, psycho psychiatrist, and changes myself is everything you need to, to get better, right? These three are very, are, are very helpful. Not that you need all three. I think that some people can do well without the psychiatrist, other without the psychologist, but everybody needs to make the changes in their lives. Um, and that's when it started getting better and better and better. And then, you know, mental health issues became kind of a thing of the past for me. Of course, sometimes you have some sort of relapse, which are, it's a nice, you know, reminder. Hey, hey, you're good, but be grateful because you weren't happy. Look how you felt the other day, which is nice. And that's fine. It's not enjoyable when you're going through that. But then after, in hindsight, it's nice. Mm. So, so yeah, so uh, it started getting better. And uh, I stopped, I stopped seeing my psychologist at some point. She told me, uh, you don't need to, you don't need to see me anymore. You're doing, you're doing good now. And I was very happy about that. And I didn't see her since. Uh, I think I, I saw her once, maybe a year ago for a few sessions, and but that was kind of unrelated. It was just me going through something in my head and uh, <laughs> that was cute actually. <laughs> it was, I, I, I messaged, I was like, hey, look, my, my mental health is good, but there's something bothering me. I feel like I'm becoming a bad person. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as good as I used to be. I wanna fix this. Can we, can we have a few calls? We had like three, four calls and I realized, okay, there were some things in my life that I didn't like and they, this translated into bad behaviors or selfish behaviors in some ways. And uh, again, you know, it was, it, it's, it's, it's great because it's help on demand. And it doesn't mean that if there's a problem straight away, you go to a psychologist, right? It's, it's very contextual. It depends on if you try to fix it, etc. But we should always know that that's a very important card. Mm, yeah. And it's true. Like, I agree how you said that. It's not that, okay, you were doing bad and now everything's good. So they are good all the time. Like It's just you go through phases and it's part of life also. like I think everyone has insecurities. Everyone has things that they're working on. It's just that sometimes they take over your whole life and they become like the main focus and sometimes no you can manage live with it learn from it make it into something good like you said like learn about yourself etc um how did m music writing music making music how did it help you um in in two main ways i'd say um the first way is obviously doing something that i love and that I enjoy beyond all of the benefits of it. So today, someone who does music can make money out of it because he may, does a concert, right? Because he earns money from whatever he makes with streams. Because it's also nice because people will look up to him, ah, an artist who blah, blah, blah. It helps, you know, when you try to speak to people, etc. If If you remove all of these and you keep just the artistic side of sitting in a room and making music, it makes me happy. So I was like, this is really something meaningful for me. This is really something that I do for myself. Because if you, you deleted everything else, and I still love it. Yeah. I could still spend hours doing it and being happy re-listening to what I created. So it makes me feel important. It makes me feel like I matter. Um, number three, music for me is my way of channeling my vulnerability. I had trouble back in the days showing that I can be weak sometimes, that I can be emotional, etc. because this is just a society in which I grew up, which is I have to be the alpha male of uh, the match and the best and everything is okay and I'm in control and all is good. Then I realized that this shouldn't be the case at all and uh, no one should care. Um, and I think that music is my number one channel to really transmit my emotions, even if they're very fragile, even if they're weak, even if, um, even if, uh, how to say, like even a heartbreak, even something personal, it, it makes me happy 
to share it. It's, it's, it. Some people like to journal, for example. Yeah. Some people, you know, that's why people have diaries. That's why people, for me, it's through my music and my lyrics. So it really helps me take all of this out. Mm-hmm. And I think number three, because that's something I didn't mention, and it's probably the most important, actually. Why do I like music? It's because it gives me, and now I'm going to get a little bit philosophical, but it gives me a fake sense of meaning. When I say a fake sense of meaning, and this is, by the way, just my perspective, it's not a universal truth, um, but my perspective on life has evolved with time, which is, it it doesn't matter. It it has no point, mm-hmm. it's just life. And, and I was suffering back in the days when I thought that I had to live life to the fullest and always do everything. And no, because you have one life. No, no, no. You live, one day you'll die. That's it. And then you disappear and you're just one tiny dot in terms of time and in terms of space. Because in terms of space, we know how how the universe is infinite, but especially in terms of time. Do you have any idea about the details of how people lived 3,000 years ago? You don't. Mm. Do you? You have no idea. You know, maybe a couple of names from history yeah. books, but that yeah. that's the, the maximum you'll get, right? Mm. So no one cares. And 3,000 years is nothing. We've been here, we've been around for millions of years. Mm. Yeah. So I, nothing matters and nothing I do matters. And this thought is liberating. It's liberating because there are no really bad consequences to what you do. Because anyways, something, you'll die. And it's, it's, it's out, it's, it's all done, right? Mm. That could be very depressing as a way of thinking. Some people think, yeah, why are you thinking that way? Oh my God, now I'm such an bad. No, it's actually, if you see it the good way, it gives you the ultimate freedom to do what you want, of course, while respecting society and really being respectful of others and not harming people. Mm. But to do what you want, be happy and just chill. And to be able to do that, you need to trick your brain to give it meaning. And again, this is my perspective. This is not a lesson. But in my perspective, you trick your brain by telling him, hey, there's a purpose to all of this. Whereas, you know, deep down, there's no purpose. That's it. You're just here. For me, my purpose is creating art. Because for me, creating art is something eternal. It's something that cannot be replicated. So today, I'm, I always think that way. Today, if I make a great quarter and great money in that company, it doesn't matter because in a hundred years, someone will make better and there's a million like that. You are nothing. That's kind of depressing, you know? If you do a startup some or an invention, someone will create something even better or more useful and we won't choose your thing. So you don't matter. That's how I, 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 I was seeing it. I was like, you know what, but art, Art is so subject, subjective as a, you know, as a field. It's so subjective, so you, ca- you cannot really compare anyways. So you cannot say so there was an ad- advance, you know, it, it's getting better, it's getting different. It's, it's very unique, it's the most unique thing ever because it's so subjective. Art, whether it's fashion, whether it's uh, painting, movies, sometimes there are different things that, that, that can be qualified as art. But for me, and, and this is again me talking to myself, to feel happy with what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was like, with music, I feel like I matter because no one will ever do the same thing that I do because they're not me to sing it. Mm-hmm. Even if they do the exact same melodies and the exact same lyrics and the exact same production, the mood in which this art piece was created is not the same because it's a different context. Only I have my life. Only I am doing this today at that moment. You know, And, and this is... How I'm like, ah, so it makes sense. So I feel like there's meaning in my life. So I wake up in the morning, be like, I have more time to create. Mm. And that's how I'm happy. I'm not happy because I'm going to work or because I know that I will make money or go out uh, on Saturday night. This is what makes me happy. The other stuff is to keep me going and and enjoy. Mm. And for the third time, disclaimer, this is my perspective. People seek different meanings in different ways. Uh, people can seek meaning actually in a corporate life because they feel like they have impact. People can feel that they get meaning uh, in general in life and they don't perceive like like life like me, which is just, it doesn't matter. No, for them, life has to be lived. And some people that can be religious think, no, you have to live the best life possible so that when you die, you're afterlife. To each their own. But my advice here is find the formula that works for you. 
I found mine, at least for now. It may change, obviously, but mine is working for now for me. Yeah, okay, so you find the philosophy that makes you, brings you meaning. So like you said, or the illusion of meaning, and you find what... So it's like through music, you are doing something that is authentic to you, and you're expressing something that only you can express, and so that makes it important in your eyes. Exactly. So you feel like... That's nice. And was it... I don't know, I thought about this while you were speaking. Was it maybe like scary to put out something that is so personal or so, so vulnerable? Scary. Yeah. So scary. So scary. Um and I think I think that's one of the biggest steps for someone who wants to uh, get into a career where you have to put yourself in front of people. Because the first thing people will do when they're not used to something, that's the way psychologically How do, does laughter work? When you see something that you don't expect. Yeah. Oh, hey, Serge, Serge started uh, doing, <laughs> he's singing, what? Yeah. He's singing on camera? That's so ridiculous, you know? People would react that way. People will always make fun of these things because they're not used to it, yeah. because they have their ideals. They think that this is what should be done. So they're gonna laugh. They're gonna laugh. And, and, but you have to start somewhere. You have to make that leap. Once you make that leap, the first song, the first video, the first couple of, of things that, that are out there, some people will like it, some people won't. You will, you will get critics and, and nice things. You will hear more of the nice things because most of the critics will be behind your back. Sometimes you will hear them. It's, it's not nice to hear, but it's necessary. It's necessary and it will always be there. So at the end, you just have to be like, okay, that's that's fine. Yeah, I was just I, I was just preaching the fact that art is subjective, right? Yeah. So uh, I I can't I can't have double standards there. It's subjective. Some people don't like it, yeah. but even socially, you know, in your social picture, ah, you're starting to talk in front of the camera. Like, who do you think you are, an influencer? I just want to talk in front of the camera. What? what that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. And initially, you know, there's always this stress before posting. Yeah. before putting this out there, then you start seeing the good reactions. So you're always in that gray zone. You're in that gray zone maybe for the first few months, I would say, that's, that's how I saw it. But then eventually you do it so much that it just becomes established that, ah, yeah, you're the dude that does that. And because it's you and you've done it so much, it's normal. People get used yeah. to it because yeah. it's, so you're not worried at all. So so now when I publish something, I never think like uh, <gasps> I'm doing music in front of people in front of the camera. No, this is so normal. Okay. Like this is what my page is about, right? Yeah. Like this is is that that's that's how it is, and it shows you that people adapt and people will get used to you. It's just that they're not they, they there's this shock of okay that's different, and once you make that leap and you stand by your ground then you establish yourself where you want to be established. This is just the, the, the big, the difficult part is the beginning. Once you're there, once you do it, you're out there. So you did your music, you took care of your mental health, so you seeked out help, and you also decided to found so your own, own company. So tell me about this. How did you decide to do it? At what point, by the way? Uh, so that was, that was during, a bit after my gap here in music. Okay. So actually at the same time, I think that I started working on that company before my album got released. Okay. That's because um, the mother of a friend knew that I was good at essay writing uh, and everything. And I like to help people in terms of mentorship. She was a very experienced uh, professional in the field. And she said, hey, let's team up and scale, uh, at least in the region. And I was like, hey, why not? You know, it's, uh, it's side money. And the little businessman inside me wanted to do this outside of music. Because, you know, initially I was doing only business and I was doing only a creative thing. Yeah. I was like, hey, no, I like to have a bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. So I started doing it and and I really liked it and it was going really well. It was my way of actually uh, sustaining myself, uh, even allowed me to live in Dubai at some point because uh, I decided to move to Dubai at some point and um, I was doing good money. Uh, then I got bored. And when I say I got bored is because I was seeing the company, it was either the next step was to scale 
and scale a lot, but then we would have to compete with the big international sharks or stay small and start just making it as efficient as possible because our strength was the fact that we're very boutique, we're very small company, catering to a small set of clients who love us, know us, and we avoid marketing, it was word of mouth, etc. Uh, and I was like, no, th that's it. It has to stay small and as small as possible. And I want a new challenge at the same time because at, at the same time, I was also having a creative blockage with, with my music because my my career and my company wasn't scaling. at music For music, it took time. It takes time to create, etc. I was not seeing any progress and I got very frustrated. So I wanted to take on something new in my life. That's how I actually applied to Amazon for the job in Madrid. I was like, you know, I'm ready to even take a full-time job. And I loved it because I love talking to people. I, so I'm literally paid to discuss issues with people and try to find a way through services to help them. That's a great job, you know, like I think that's, that's really cool. And uh, that's something that I loved. So that's what you're doing now. So you're, you have very different um, things that you're doing, but that are also complementary. In ways, I guess. Yeah, th this is this is what I'm doing, but it's not. I I didn't do this out of pure, you know, like a calculation. Is that I'm trying to do? So just turns out that my life <laughs> it yeah. happened to yeah, me yeah, that yeah, yeah. my different choices, wrong or good, yeah, uh, got me to where I am today. And this is how my life is organized today. It's not perfect, but at least there's one thing I appreciate is that it gives many layers. to my life so I don't get bored. And I'm realizing that this is really what I didn't like when I was a consultant because it was my only thing, mm. making PowerPoints mm. and Excels. Mm. Today, if you, you if you tell me what is your usual day like, what is your life like? I'm like, man, you know, like today I was shooting a video two hours ago, shooting a video for, for one of my songs. Today I'm talking into a podcast about life and mentorship. Then I have to work half day for Amazon, make sure that I, I close a few things and that I, I help an admin, then get on a call with one of my students and then go do sports and then sleep to travel tomorrow. I'm like, man, this is, this is, this is a month in a day, you know, <laughs> like, I love this. Yeah. I love this. And, and it's fun. Maybe some, thing are, some things are tiring, but even the tiring and saddening things, it adds flavor to, to, to life. And I think you should always choose life in general, living, trying, doing, you know, different things. Mm. And also, I feel like in your story, we can see how at different points in your life, so now, for example, for you, doing many things is important and you like it, but also at some point, doing less and just taking a break what was was what you needed. So it can also absolutely, change. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What's important is to always be self-aware mm -hmm. and to always observe yourself too. So like sometimes I, I like to think of my life where I'm a narrator who looks at what I'm doing because it's always easier to help your friend than to help yourself. Mm -hmm. If I see you doing something wrong, it's very easy for me to tell you, hey, Camille, I think that you would be happier if you do that. Mm -hmm. We don't do this to, to ourselves. And it's important to do that. So I like to to see myself, you know, from a third person perspective. And I'd be like, okay, are you happy? Is what you're doing right? Okay, no, no. You look like you're good and you feel good and you're having fun. Come on, go live. Go for it. <laughs> go for it. And, and, and this is it. And sometimes I really feel like I need a break. I, I remember like a couple of months ago, I, I burnt out for a few days, I remember. I, I almost smashed my laptop and I was like, I can't anymore. This is too much because I, I, I chose to take on so much pressure and so many responsibilities. It's my choice, but I have to assume it. And I, I, I knew that I was okay burning out, took a few days off. I accepted that there were some failures in some of my projects because I couldn't keep up with the deadlines. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's fine. And that's fine. I, I accepted these failures. I took this time off and then I started again. You know, it, it's okay, we all lose. You cannot be expected to always win. And, and all, otherwise the people who always win are people that are unhappy because they never took the time to accept losses, you know? So yeah. it's okay. And uh, and yeah, and now I'm happy and probably tomorrow I will also go nuts because <laughs> today was so hectic, but yeah. that's that's fine. That's part of the game, you know? it's it's. I like to perceive life as a movie. A good movie is one that is eventful with bad 
parts, parts of stress, parts of extreme glory, parts not just when everything's going chill. That that's not a movie, right? Yeah. I want to be a Hollywood movie. Yeah. <laughs> This is it. So one last question: If you could go back to your like younger self, maybe when you were at university, and you could give one piece of advice or say one thing, what would that be? I'd say. Be yourself, always, um, because when you're yourself, it means that you are the master of your decisions. You know what you want, and you know what's best for you. And by being yourself, you're not living someone else's life, even though it's not a great life. It's your life, and I think that if on paper your life is not the best, but it's all of it was built by your own choices and you're convinced by what you did, then this is worth way more than any of the big bling bling that you could get just to please uh, someone else. Yeah, I agree a lot. And it's funny that you said this advice because also I called this podcast Everything You Are and it was inspired by a quote that says, you can't be anyone you want to be, but you can be everything you are. And I feel like this is For me, also becoming an adult, it's like becoming who you really are and finding out what you really want to do, what kind of person you want to be. So yeah, I like this advice. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Was it even on purpose, eh? For yeah. episode one, <laughs> this is going to be an amazing podcast. Starting strong, starting strong. So thank you so much, Serge, for sharing um, so like authentically, vulnerably. I really, I related to a lot of what you said. Uh, I'm sure that many people will also find value and relate. And yeah, so I'm excited for your next album. If people want to check you out, I will put the details in the caption so they know. Follow, where to like, go. subscribe, share, uh, send to everyone, uh, bookmark, uh, <laughs> Twitter, MSN, everything you can do. Thank you.